0: Whose pile is that? I think I know. Just shooting the shit with the bros. Come and join along. Don't forget to load your bong. It's Quality Piles. We can never be wrong. Hello, and welcome back to the pod. Welcome back to the cast. Uh, we got a pretty big one uh, this week, boys. Uh, Bev, what do we got?
1: Well, I think we got the story of the week here uh, for our our treasured listeners. So the uh, the big old uh, evergreen ship that uh, went sideways in the Suez Canal. Um, so it's it's caused a lot of issues, cost a lot of people a lot of money, totally disrupted supply chains, and uh, yeah, overall, it's uh, it's been quite a mess. But uh, yeah, what do you guys think of this? Have you heard of it?
0: Oh man, well of course, uh, of course we heard of it. Big D, what uh, what do you hear of this one?
2: Uh, well, I mean, through the world of memes, I think I've heard about this quite a bit lately. But uh, here's what I'm going to say, boys. This is my expert opinion as as a uh, you know amateur boat boat captain here uh is uh i think what they should have done was they zigged when they should have zagged and that was where they <laughs> fucked up you know and uh sometimes you, you you win sometimes you lose and this time they dicked her sideways and uh holy fuck it's just crazy the implications of one ship fucking over this canal though that's what blew my mind was like did i hear it was like something like 10 percent of like the world's economy was like like our uh, world's uh trade was like fucked because of this like... yeah
1: yeah it's a big chunk i just highlighted on the screen for our uh, our listeners it's uh, normally 10 billion dollars uh would pass through each day in uh in good so it's it's a huge it's it's the artery i would say for uh europe and asian trade it's if, to have a disruption like that it's it's insane and and the issue is like if if, uh, if boats aren't able to get through that canal then they have to go uh, uh, down around like the i think it's the cape of africa around south africa and circle all the way back up so it adds two weeks of travel time and then uh, all those ships have to stop in and most likely um uh, south africa or like Namibia or whatever to refuel uh, but those little ports don't have enough fuel to fuel all these, uh, you know, say like 400 ships that are gonna have to make that trip. So it was potentially a huge disaster. Um, I think it was already stressing them a quite bit, a quite a bit, because a lot of the ships just said, ah, you know, the hell with it. I'm not waiting for this, this thing. I'll just take, I'll just take two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it could have been really bad because I know for a while they thought, uh, you know, it was gonna be stuck there for about two weeks.
0: Well, how long did it end up being stuck there? Five days, right? it was about five days yeah yeah so the what yeah like so 50 or like some say 10 billion some say 9 billion whatever 50 billion bucks uh worth of trade was disrupted but i mean the backlog is even worse like all those ships are still gonna have to go around and everything there is still gonna have to to ship like I mean, that's weird to say ship but I mean like isn't most of the product that's going through the Suez Canal like from Asia or oil I thought a ton of oil also goes through the Suez Canal
1: yeah huge yeah, amounts
0: yeah so I know we don't get we don't get Saudi oil but I know all those markets are connected so lucky us just in time for the good weather let's uh boost up uh those oil prices <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
1: So we got a live uh, live view of the canal right now so you can see all the ships just crammed in there moving <laughs> oh, through. Fuck. Oh yeah. look at the backlog yeah. here, eh? a bit of guys in the back yeah. probably trying to scoot up here to get in there.
2: Yeah. But did uh, you see they had that the little asset. dicked little little dick yeah. fucking digger thing beside the huge boat? I didn't, like I that picture killed me like what? <laughs> Like it was just like one backhoe thing trying to dig it out in the picture I saw, and one of the best comments I saw was like, uh, "You might want to try adding at least one more there, boys." Like, oh, holy fuck! Yeah, oh, I
1: can't believe the amount of uh, look at all this oh, boat traffic, hey? This is incredible.
2: Well, that's yeah. like um, you ever see the the flight maps too, right? Like remember like when COVID first started and like, they just like basically quote unquote, nothing was flying. You could still pull up like flight maps and there's still so many, like there's so much planes oh, yeah. in the air and boats in the water. That you just haven't, you don't even have any like comprehension of it. And you know, unless you're, unless you're in that business, you, I'm sure you have no idea, but it's crazy. Eh? Like I, that's fucked to me. That looks that I, I can't believe there's that many boats out there right now. That's fucking crazy. Well,
1: I'm shocked how many of them are, um, uh, pleasure craft too you know it's like the crypto deities out there on his boat you know made a wrong turn out of the saint lawrence and now he's uh yeah, yeah. away he goes across <laughs> the atlantic stuck behind the
2: fucking boat it's dick sideways and everything. but yeah i think just was that this morning they just got that out of there i think i heard today. yeah i
1: think uh yeah. this morning our time
0: yeah 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 oh
2: well, yeah it's i forgot they're over there well they were waiting time for like
0: the tides and everything like that to boost up that water level as much as you can And like i was seeing like how because they're blaming it on like a combination of speed and, uh, wind. So like the con to combat winds, you're supposed to increase the speed. So the pilot, whoever the pilot was, uh, in this uh, situation was going almost double the speed limit to try to combat the winds. But if you see like the simulation of like the ship, trying to keep it in the center of the ditch, the Suez ditch, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're trying to go trying to go and then like oh they try to overcompensate and yeah slam it right into the other side like it's just like a straight slam and because these container ships are so big like this ship is almost 400 meters right and the suez canal is 300 meters wide right or as it's wide like something like that yeah yeah something like that like i mean they're fucked Uh, i i'm surprised it hasn't happened more often really that's what i was thinking like looking at the yeah and the other thing like looking at the aerial views of this like it's a pretty like it's just one ship at a time that's passing through like there's got to be i don't know people thinking like okay maybe we need to dig a backup route maybe we need to widen this a little bit i have no idea i don't know how much it would cost to do all that stuff but i couldn't imagine it cost more than 50 billion dollars
1: yeah they could make that money back pretty quick i can't remember how i think they charge uh half a million to put take a ship through uh through the canal
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Or something like minute. that yeah
0: man well i guess they do have a couple of routes there
1: oh yeah i guess yep. you could see yeah there's just this one section here i guess where they got a straight shoot
0: yeah oh well, for all of our listeners if you want to check us out on youtube you can see exactly what you're looking at here I guess the real problem is that they developed on both sides of the canal. Yeah, is... gonna
1: gonna have to build, uh, bulldoze El Quantare here. Sorry, boys.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: man, no, oh, that that sucks pretty bad. So, did we ever find out like what happened, like who's at fault here? Like, I'm just thinking of like like go rewind i don't know five years or whatever when that captain on the cruise ship crashed into that island off of uh the italian coast and he's like huge news like he's in the news like of course he was in the news because he's uh he jumped off ship before there everyone's there and they're like oh no that's a big dono but like the pilot who crashed this like so for our listeners like and maybe i'm completely wrong but i was under the impression that These ships aren't actually captained by their captains when they're going through the canal. Like, just like the Panama Canal, they have pilot boats that come on, come up to the side, and a pilot crew comes on board to make sure shit like this doesn't happen because they're experienced, because their only job is to drive back and forth down the Suez Canal.
1: Yeah, I think that's that was the case. So like the ship's crew was there, uh, but then yeah, they had like two guys. I think it was two guys from Suez Canal uh, on board to to like advise or I don't know if they actually piloted the ship. I I I don't know. I uh, can't imagine all the. There's so many ships going through. Like each one's probably totally different. So I imagine they're just advising, telling them well, like well,
0: like if you've ever like I've never been on a boat, but like I've seen YouTube videos of dudes driving a boat. Like they're not actually driving the ship like they're commanding and telling people what to do you know it's just like oh no increase speed lower speed a little bit left a little bit right starboard report I, I have no idea but like things like that like they're directing it like i don't expect them to be i i don't think there's a giant steering wheel maybe there is i don't
2: know does this article happen to say who's who the crew was or where they were from just a little curious on that one
1: no, not uh, not this particular article, but I uh, could uh, track that down.
0: Yeah, that's super weird because, like, I just, I just remember, yeah, that cruise ship, like that. Everyone just like blame the dude, blame this guy, and in this case, yeah, they're just like, oh, it ran the yeah. ground. Like, I don't know. It seems and
2: like then it. there was a there was some fake news that went around. They There, uh, you know. There's was a, a female boat uh, operator from Egypt that people were saying was driving it. And she got, you know, raked over the coals for a couple of days before that got exposed as fake. So uh, <laughs> could you imagine you know? like
0: just some dude just like, yeah, yeah, screw this girl. Like, ah, I yeah. don't care about her. I'm just going <laughs> to
2: post her, post a
0: picture up that. Like she was driving it. It's <laughs> yeah, brutal. Yeah. yeah that so, sucks.
2: Uh, but, you know, it's, yet's yeah, why you gotta, you, you gotta inspect your uh, resources there, do some homework. Can't just be spreading the. Spreading yeah. that stuff, right? Just because it looks good on uh, on a meme or whatever. Well, I, oh,
1: I uh, the 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 ship's owners they have liability coverage for 3.1 billion provided by this uh, mutual insurance. These guys, they they had some oh. uh, 2 a.m. emergency meetings, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, they're oh, shitting two ways, probably fucking. <laughs> well, so so what happened? Like,
0: what happens in this situation? Like, who? What would you be actually liable for? Would you die- Why? Who knows? Who knows what the agreement is when you're getting into the Suez Canal right
1: yeah because you'd like be liable for like all the costs for tugboats and like you know the, the poor guy and his digger trying to dig the thing out but obviously <laughs> like that wouldn't be too that wouldn't be very expensive i'm sure it'd be a couple million bucks like it's not it wouldn't be bad but it's it's if it's like uh, what is it like contingent or um, contingent liability i think that's when you get screwed because if it's like some guy's got like an oil shipment and it yeah. was late getting to the port or whatever. He's like, "Well, I, like you're liable for those late fees or whatever because you blocked the damn canal." Then you know technically he could sue you for it, but like I don't know. So that's I guess that's where uh, these guys get in trouble. I, I can't remember. It's like contingent liability or oh, damn, I can't remember. It's it's um,
0: consequential. Would, I think. Well, how much? Like, so I'm just looking at that and, and like three point one billion in liability. How much? What's the value of goods on like a cargo ship that size? Then, like, holy shit! Like, it's got to be like half a billion or something. Like, like, right? Oh yeah, I, I easily.
1: Well, oh yeah, who knows? Like, yeah, because I guess be something like that.
0: Yeah, it's got to be something crazy in that times however many ships on there. Because like, to, in order to pay however many billions of dollars a year for like three point one billion dollars worth of insurance, like, you have to have close to $3.1 billion or $3 billion worth of goods out and about on the ocean at any given time.
2: Oh no, yeah. Well, you think about it, like a lot of vehicles come this way, right? So like if you look at that picture uh, for our viewers there on the right where it shows that boat just loaded to the tits with uh, containers, right? Like each container fits like a few cars in it. If that's all cars, that's a fucking lot of money. Well, ca- car-
0: right? car- cargo ships look different than these ones. They got specific ones. But I'm like, like looking at something like that, like each one of those containers is a 40-foot container, is it not?
2: Yeah, that goes in the back of a truck, right? Like they throw yeah. it on and
0: Yep. That's wild. Yeah. Wow, wow. Man. sorry
2: well, boys, it's the, I don't one my, of the big, my car yeah. container uh, ships.
1: Okay. <sighs> you know, that's all right. We'll send you some uh some reading material on it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um the thing that, so I guess like the big issue with all this and and it's kind of playing into some of the other conversation right now around inflation. Is because all like basically everybody's supply chain now is just in time because it assumes like this type of situation is very unlikely to happen. Uh, so anytime there's a disruption, it completely screws up like uh, like supply chains. Like Ford, for example, like they were already having issues getting semiconductors, uh, and now there's an even longer delay because a bunch of the conductors were on that ship that were supposed to <laughs> supposed to come over. So it's, it's constant issues like that. So anyway, now uh, mm-hmm. uh, more and more places are sounding the alarm, more and more producers and companies and central banks are sounding the alarm around inflation. So, uh, and there's all the obvious that we've seen, like you know uh, raw materials and building, building goods uh, and uh, you know, housing in general. What yeah. do you guys think? Have you seen inflation anywhere else?
2: Well, I'll tell you right now, I know for a fact Ford specifically in Oakville is not running anywhere near their normal capacity because of semiconductors specifically. Um, they got smoked on chips, basically, when this all went down last year. Um, you know, all the big boys in tech were able to, to put the money up and get all the stock for all that, all those materials. And uh, so they were already running at like maybe a quarter of the production they normally would. So this is going to just take them down to their knees now. Right. So it's uh yeah you know they got to start making up for that loss somehow so it it wouldn't surprise me
0: yeah i i i haven't seen it in the car market yet like i always look at uh new car pricing incentives all this good stuff uh because new car sales are down like in general uh in the last little bit like not that i'm a proponent for leasing in, in everyone's case but in some cases there are the incentives that you get now for short-term leases are wild and all i'm thinking is it's got to be like that because car manufacturers must know that okay if you get a short-term lease like a two-year lease and we're going to just blow it out the door we know the residual value of it is going to be way higher come two years from now because we're just going to jack up all the prices like inflation will hit it in the next two years i just haven't seen it yet like uh, in cars, anyways, from just my anecdotal looking, like I just looking right now, and like I know it's the end of Q one, but holy crap, you can get some fantastic deals if you're looking for a new vehicle right now. <laughs> oh man, uh, but yeah, other other places, I don't know, just just wood, like just construction materials. Oh. It's, it's yeah. wildly high uh, right now, but I mean, I don't have any projects. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see.
2: Yeah, I got a couple of little projects I need some some wood for, but it's just still blowing my mind. You know, I finished uh, finished my basement a couple years ago, and two by fours were like three sixty five a piece or something like less than four bucks a piece for an eight foot two by four, and they're going for eight bucks a piece now. Eight dollars? Yeah, I was Fuck looking me. it up. I'm like, that is fucking
1: wild. They're just thinking about it. Uh, that's why everybody's selling uh, or uh, selling out of uh, um well at least rural areas are selling out of uh, the home um, sawmills or the portable sawmills cuz you used to like not a lot of people would buy them because if you want to have you, you want to cut your old lumber basically you got to cut the tree down you know you got to put it through this this uh, the saw or whatever and then you got to let it let it sit for like 2 years or whatever to dry out and now people are like well fuck it if i'm going to have you know, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna have to wait two years anyway before the prices come back to something realistic. I might as well just buy this thing and do it all myself. So that's been another uh, interesting side effect of all this is uh, uh, that uh, that industry's picking up.
0: Well, the other thing that you see is a lot. You you do see a lot more reshoring. Like you see a lot more people. Uh, I mean, the manufacturing like sector are looking for suppliers here in North America because of issues like like this, like the Suez Canal thing. Like you're getting everything from like china or somewhere in asia uh, why not reshore the things that you actually can reshore that are financially like oh uh, if it's like 20 percent higher to get it here yeah fuck it like I- i'll pay the extra 20 percent just to get it like but that will hit the inflation thing but it will i don't know uh, i don't know i'm not i'm not sold on it's all going to be horrible right now because no. i really think manufacturing is going to really pick up here in north america in the next five years like it's yeah, going to what, be huge
2: that's where part of the recovery is kind going to come from right is there is suddenly this you know revitalization of of getting some manufacturing uh going on here rather than all this importing and stuff right so yeah it's interesting I, I think the uh you know the the balancing out of, of some of these equations is not always negative you know as far as this whole yeah, the last you know year and all the things that it's uh, affected but uh yeah it's interesting i'm really interested to see what the next like two three years looks like and what recovery looks like and if it's bad or good And i think it's going to hey. be uh it's going to be hard to predict i think because of uh, things like this right
0: hey bev can you do me a, a quick favor can you uh look and see if haas h-a-a-s is a public uh, or a private company so this is a uh this is a machine like CNC machine manufacturer. And like these guys, like definitely not the best machines out there, definitely not the worst machines out there. Like these are, we're gonna come in, they're good machines and they're priced to sell. And like they list their pricing on their website and stuff like that. Like they're just very forthcoming and everything like that. And I'm just curious, like over like if we could even revisit this in six months to see how much more you'll see these guys stock rising with people Reshoring like because this would be like one of the leading indicators of people actually be like people buying CNC machines in order to mm-hmm. manufacture stuff here
1: Well, well, I wonder where like a company like uh, like FANUC or FANUC yeah. or whatever however, you pronounce, yeah. like that. So oh, it's Japanese, but uh, even one like this because these guys yeah. like that's the thing that shocked me with um, a lot of automation is Well, first off, like the automation software is considerably cheaper now and, and it's getting cheaper all the time. There's tons of these like startups coming out with all these like point solutions and all kinds of different uh, tools you can use. And yeah. uh, the actual hardware as well, like even if you want to go buy a robotic arm, like that's what like uh, Fanuc or Fanuc or whatever is like, really it's well Finuc, known yeah. for those. Yeah, yeah. it's Finuc. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're really well known for their robotic arms and they used to be fucking expensive. But now, you know, you, you, a couple thousand bucks, and you can get a really basic one and, wow. you know, the software to program. It is, you know, it's, it's not that much more expensive. So all of a sudden you can start automating a lot of your processes. And if you can do that, I mean, it's it's a bigger cost up front, but it's a hell of a lot cheaper than in the long run than than hiring somebody and, you know, paying them 20 bucks an hour or whatever, you know, to go and rate for a shop guy is or whatever.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it is, yeah, 25 to 30 bucks an hour for, like, a kind of skilled laborer for a button pusher. Yeah, probably around 20 bucks, like, if not a little less. But, yeah, Fanuc would be a really good one to track. We should, like, uh, we should definitely revisit that to see if they have a bump in the next six months or so. Uh, Just because, like, Fanuc actually sells the controllers for machines. So, like, all those... Uh, not as big branded or partners that don't want to make the controllers. So like the brains of the CNC machine, they use most of the time for controllers. So that would be a really, really good company. Good, good call on that one, Beth. Yeah, just to see that reshore and end like uh, Haas is uh, based in California. So it's an American company. So I'm like, oh, if it's tons of buy American, you know, you're going to get there as well.
1: Oh, this dude, yeah, that's a privately held revenue over a billion. Yeah. Well, no, that's too bad. Yeah, it'd be a good one. Good for yeah. this dude, this Gene Haas guy, but he's uh he's laughing. Oh, he's yeah, well, he owns an F1 team. Yeah, an F1 team.
0: Yeah. a uh <laughs> he's got a F Yeah, NASCAR team His NASCAR team's legit. His F1 team is like newer, so I'm sure in a couple of years it's going to kick ass. And like that's great uh what's it called? Marketing because f1 is all like cutting edge manufacturing the only the best equipment and all these things and like if you got your million dollar half million dollar cnc machine sitting there cutting all those parts like oh man uh, that's freaking money oh yeah big time
1: yeah well so no that's cool big. i think they uh, i think you're right though it's going to be massive growth in uh, in manufacturing like there's so much incentive to bring it back uh, uh back to north america and there's so much so much opportunity with um all these like uh disruption supply chain disruptions you know some dude blocking the shit out of some (laughs) canal across the world there's so much opportunity for that
0: yeah yeah that's pretty well well there's other big news here i i think uh oh yeah you do got it here in canada uh what do we got here on this one
1: yeah so two of uh canada's biggest um, um telecommunications conglomerates uh Rogers and Shaw are going to merge together. So um, Rogers and Shaw are really dominant in the cable markets uh, with Bell being more dominant in um, uh, 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 fiber optic and uh, and like the old uh, digital uh, subscriber lines and stuff like that. So this will be a really interesting merge between the two because Shaw's Shaw's also really dominant out, uh, if I remember right, they're out in the West Coast as well. So yeah. they've got a huge, um, huge book of business there. They've got lots in like Northern Ontario, a uh, decent amount in uh, New Brunswick as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's raised a lot of issues though, because now they're going to be such a monster. Uh, so Bell's got to of course, step up to try and compete with them. And uh, there really isn't anyone else. And like the kind of like third party players, I guess, like a, like a TELUS or something like they're sweating, right? Cause they're like, what are they going to do? Cause they're so much smaller wow. than the other players.
0: Well, like I'm shocked that uh the Canadian government let this deal happen. Like this is a monopoly. Oh yeah. (laughs) This
1: is like this is
0: unbelievable. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Um yeah, the reality too is like TELUS is is also a heavily West like they started in the West and that's where they're dominant and actually in Eastern Canada, Telus like uh, mobile systems use bells infrastructure up here too. So, yep. um, you know, they're kind of, they got them by the balls and, um, Shaw just recently within the last year actually launched their own flagship brand wireless stores in the West. Um, to you know, like to start, start kind of competing with Rogers. And I'm imagining that this is probably a result of, of them feeling a bit of that pressure is like, fuck it. We'll just buy them. Right. Whoa. So that's, uh, definitely i think part of uh, what i see happening here for sure but yeah uh, you'll see that uh, bell and and tell are in bed on a lot of things already so it really is just the kind of the two big guys really duking it out
0: yeah like it, that's all it is because uh, back in the day it was like a gentleman's agreement like uh, shaw gets the west uh, west coast uh rogers gets the east coast uh you know ontario eastward like that that's just how the split was i really think what Yeah, strike that. Like, like you said, uh, Big D is when Shaw bought out uh, Wind and turned it into Freedom Mobile, and then just started blowing out deals just to take market cap. Like, didn't give a shit. Like, none of their cell phones. Like, there's no. I'm not in the cell phone business, but I mean, there's no fucking way you're making money charging fifty bucks a month and giving away an iPhone, a, a device that is not subsidized to the carriers. Like, you just you buy it and you sell it to get market yeah. share like that's they, what they're doing they
2: go super aggressive and honestly i thought that you know when i saw them hit the market and they they did the rebrand and everything like that i thought okay you know they'll do this for a little bit they, they were given up top tier flagship phones uh yeah doesn't matter what company it was from but it was all the newest phones for dirt cheap with these crazy plans and i, I was like how long are they gonna keep this up for like how is this sustainable and uh i don't think it is i think this is might be also a result of that as well too because they've they've never really course like correct like they never adjusted their pricing at all to like they're still doing these fucking batshit crazy deals and i don't know how they're how they're making any money on it like i thought maybe one or two years just to try and get aggressive in the market and and then they would crank it up a bit but they they haven't so uh it's super strange i don't i don't know yeah well like uh it, with this
0: it 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 sucks because like canada notoriously had like the highest uh, the highest or some of the highest uh, wireless rates in the world and then when freedom came in there like eric was being a disruptor and started kicking ass like i'm getting advertised for deals that were better than the deals that i got when the iphone first came out like when iphone first came out it was like six gigs for whatever 50 bucks or something like that and it was never that good i remember holding on to that plan forever because it was too good to be true and then now i'm getting deals as like 15 gigs at full speed at this and then throttled after that for 55 bucks is this what happened what happened was shaw happened like that's what happened and then like oh okay to compete we gotta lower our rates a little bit we can't screw everybody oh my god that is go back up uh wow it's 49 percent margin is that what that is? On their cable oh, services?
1: Yeah. An EBITDA margin? Yeah, basically. Wow. That's a r- extremely good. <laughs> <But> the the, <laughs> the, um, the, the, the thing that that I don't this like This is about uh, Rogers,
0: Rogers so. for listeners. Uh, yeah, answer, but yeah.
1: yeah, this is the Rogers Investors um, uh, presentation. Because uh, what I'm looking for is like a breakdown of their wireline versus wireless business. And it doesn't look like they do it. Like Bell does a really good job of breaking that down. But the thing I don't like about Rogers, well, a their dividends dog shit. It's like three point nine percent versus like what's Bell running at six, six point one, yeah, six point twelve. Like that's uh, that's like a really good uh, dividend. But anyway, but with uh, the other thing with Rogers though is like because their most of their network is uh, like they're not as as quick as Bell is at rolling out the fiber network, and I think that's gonna be the the key going forward because the cable networks are all uh, capped, like their bandwidth is capped. You can only put so much through a, ca- um, a, a copper line, but with uh, a fiber line, you can put huge amounts of data through. So it's f- kind of future-proofed, right? So these guys, you know, in 20 years, like when everything 10Xs in terms of the amount of data we're, we're requiring, these guys will have the network for it. And I think Rogers, even though they do have f- you know fiber optics, they don't have nearly the network that Bell has, so it's uh, that's that's what I'm thinking in terms of you know the future of these guys. Yeah. Oh
0: well, oh, well the one thing that I want to say is like I saw that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe you can Google this one quick uh, is uh, the uh, 2022 budget or 2021 budget for Ontario's coming out which and I don't know if it's in the federal budget or on the Ontario budget, but I thought it was Ontario budget has 2.8 billion dollars in infrastructure uh spending set aside to increase uh network connectivity and so that's bringing like rural connection lines uh like uh high-speed internet um very interesting to see which one of those two or if they both get that subsidy because rogers and bell never paid to put in those lines like yeah they pitched in a little bit but it was paid for by the taxpayers and that's why they have to sell to like tech savvy and things like that because they didn't put in the lines themselves. They got this subsidized. So it'd be really interesting to see.
2: Yeah. I know Bell uh, a couple of years ago were touting the fact they were spending 20 billion on um, five installs in Canada. And uh, the only thing is, I don't know if you guys like where you live, if you've run into this problem or not, but like I live in a, in a house that's like, uh, you know, maybe like 16 years old now. It's not, it's not too old, but it's not too, too new either. And uh, because, you know, all my lines are underground, um, Bell's not interested in digging things up and and running five to my house. But new builds, they're putting it in, obviously, right from day one. Uh, And then if you go to, like, older neighborhoods, if these, like, little shitty houses, like, even, like, in downtowns of different cities, you know, they're not desirable areas. Or necessarily even people with with lots of extra income to spend on, you know, super high speed packages and stuff like that. Um, you know, they they all have five because it's all above ground on telephone poles and it's so much easier to just retrofit that, right? So so I'm sitting here with, with Rogers right now I'm running on and I can run up to a gigabit and it's pretty decent, you know? And then I got Bell comes to my door once in a while with some stupid offer and they're offering me like 50, 50 megabits per second. Like that's the fastest they offer in my neighborhood. And I just look at them and go, that's that's a 20th of what I'm currently running at for like almost the same price that of the deal I got at Rogers. Like it's, I don't know. Like, so I hope they invest in at least personally for me, you know, they, they, they go in and whether the government's paying it or they're paying it or it's shared, like fucking getting access to everyone to that five speed, because uh, you know, working from home and shit like that this past year, you notice it right when you're on that old cable coax line uh in the middle of the day and suddenly everyone in my neighborhood is on at the same time like i'm not seeing that full speed not even close to it right so and uh it's it's definitely a problem right with that throughput of data that you were talking about uh it just doesn't scale as we use the internet more and more and and now obviously with this shift to work from home that we obviously have seen over the last year but probably is here to stay in a pretty um big capacity across the board there like there's gonna be a lot of neighborhoods where that's going to be an issue and, and so I ho- i'm hoping you know selfishly that at least they can get in there and put more fiber in because it's just like yeah it's, coax is just dog shit in 2021
1: yeah i think it'll come and the other benefit with it too is like like with coax i can't remember what the distance is but you have to amplify it like oh shit it's like every it's less than a kilometer every few hundred meters or whatever it needs to be um uh amplified but with like fiber it's like 20 every 20 kilometers you have to to amplify it so it's like it's it's totally unmatched like i was reading about it for like uh, rural deployments because like um like where my parents live they're just they're rolling it out now and it's um and they're like out in the middle of nowhere well not nowhere but like rural area um but they're going to be able to get gigabit speeds just because you know it's it's (laughs) <laughs> it's fiber and it's uh, they don't have to amplify it it's cheap to install it's actually the, the 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 cable itself is super super cheap like technology's been around for 40 years uh they're just now it's the distribution has always been the challenge but now they figured out how to do it like, they call it passive uh passive fiber i think and uh yeah and they it, it it takes almost nothing to do it it's super super easy
0: that's really really good for us but i'm just worried that we're investing too little, too late when old Muskie is living in 20, 2040 and flying satellite internet satellites over our heads that will just destroy all this funding. You know, I don't think they
1: could meet the bandwidth, though. That's like the because the satellites, like even 5G, right, because like 5G bandwidth is like a fraction, like not even like comparable to what fiber can do. Yeah, so you can do because you can do gigabit over satellite, no problem, right? But yeah, it's but like we're mean, not, it's not like investing in, in gigabit, like you're investing, you're trying to get a 10 gigabit network to the house
0: because, like, in mm-hmm. 10 but the, 20 years, which is what
2: Google's already doing in US in some areas and has yeah, been but doing you don't, for yeah, five you, years.
0: You don't need that though, like, I mean, you're you will. when you're streaming 4K, it's what 24 to 26 megabits per second, like, that's what you need to stream 4K. How many people do you have in your house streaming 4K or whatever it's going to be? to need a thousand like a gigabit right now is a thousand like it's already not needed like it's already more and more like it's just a marketing thing like no one's going to use that much well
1: think of it this way though it's like because like right now with all the bell lines that were run back in the 30s 40s and 50s like (laughs) it's it's dsl right and like dsl caps Mm -hmm. out of 50 megabits per second and then like 2000 i'm sure people were sitting there it's like when the fuck would i ever need that Mm -hmm. right but it's like it's because of that. I can't remember what the law is, but it's like where it's every couple of years, it's, you know, technology doubles or whatever. But, but imagine like if you're Bell and you're trying to build a network that in 40 years, you're still, you know, it's still current, people are still paying for it. You know, that's, that's like the mindset I think that yeah. they have. So it's 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 like, how do we, like, I, if I were them, I'd be like, how do I build a network that can deliver 10 gigabits to a household, right? And then have that, yes, you pay more upfront front for it, but I'm going to run this network for 40 years, right?
2: Yeah, but, you know, we're talking specifically about download speeds here. And the thing that I've noticed a big problem with over the last year, having so many online meetings and stuff like that is upload. So you have people who have shitty uploads. So they, like, I know in my own network, I get... A thousand gig, you know a thousand megabits per second a gigabit you know um down but my upload is like supposed to be like 20 but it's never even that that so sometimes if you're if you're running a presentation you know with video or something like that uh out to people you know it's it's your upload that's that's making the experience really shitty for for everyone on the other end of it too right and like i said if with all this working from home stuff that seems to be you know the way of the future um that that unilateral um connection that bell offers i think their upload is equal to their download or something like that is is a huge game changer versus what you're getting when you're on a coax connection like it's insane to think i'm getting like you know uh less than five percent of the same speed going back the other way right but
0: that's just that's just a marketing thing because they have the ability to ramp it up and everything like that like some of the older internet packages like go up to the 550 like that 550 thing like even though you can run that package on fiber lines like it's 50 down and 10 up because that's what they were selling back in the day because that's what people cared about five years ago they only gave a crap about the download speed they didn't give a crap about the upload speed but now for the newer packages like if we go on up to like the like look at that like 1.5 gigabit like you can get almost a gigabit up like that's freaking quick for 120 bucks a month that's a smoking deal man
1: uh, not that yeah, I, especially if you're on fiber too, like because then your ping wow. is like virtually nothing. Like it's un, it's crazy. It's just
0: wild. Yeah, like uh, like my house is uh, uh, fiber to the home, uh, and everything, and it's I'm I'm happy with what I have. Like I'm not going to switch to like I've had both Rogers and Bell and their subsidiaries uh, at my place. I'm just I'm deal hopping, and yeah, I'm. Honestly, a lot happier with the Bell services than the Rogers ones. Like it just, it worked better because I'm not sharing my pipe with everyone in my neighborhood. Like Rogers did a great job. Like I live in a newer, uh, like I lived here for three years and I was the first person to live in this house. And Rogers did a great job. I had free with their top tier package for the first year that I lived in here. Fantastic. I'm sure all of my neighbors who got that are still on Rogers and paying them whatever 150 bucks a month or whatever it was going to be to stay on with it, and I just bailed immediately. Like, oh, thank you for the free service. I'm going to go with whoever's going to give me the best deal because I don't care. And I just noticed that, yeah, for my internet experience, 110 percent. It I noticed the difference uh, being on Bell rather than on Rogers with the FTTH rather than whatever. Actually, I don't even know what type of connection the uh, like the new Rogers lines are. They can't still be running coax, are they? Um, i imagine imagining
1: there might be fiber. It could be. I don't know. I I mean, in most cases, it's coax.
0: Yeah, like it's got to be co- like because I noticed the difference. Like you notice, like oh, it's six o'clock. Everyone's on their computers, and things start slowing down.
1: Oh yeah, it's probably coax things. So because fiber is like uh, it's kind of like DSL, where you, you basically have your own dedicated line, basically
0: yeah yeah but uh yeah pretty wild that well, they are now taking over <laughs> they're taking over well, speaking the speaking of wild
1: to... speaking of wild this is an interesting one that just uh went down as well as a um oh uh this this hedge fund basically just blew up so of course we keep hearing about with GameStop, of course uh, or GameStock. uh <laughs> that one just blew up uh i think it was what was it meridian fund or it's like one of the 0.72 like like yeah. child funds or whatever so it totally blew them up because they were doing all this naked shorting and all this greasy shit. And like these guys were, it's from what I understand, they were doing the, the opposite of that. It was just as greasy, but it was instead of shorting. They were they were uh, going long, uh, but they were buying huge stakes of companies um, using some type of derivative. But even the Financial Post didn't describe it. They uh, I think they used the wording is that the uh, through a type of derivative apparently used, so they don't even know what it was. So they bought uh, they were buying all these shares of this company. And normally, when you buy, uh, you know, a, an excess of five percent of a company, you have to report that yes. to the stock exchange. Yep. Uh, so these guys, by using this weird derivative, uh, they didn't have to report that. So anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just another another instance where these hedge funds are dicking around, and they're uh, they're. I think they're going to cause. I think there's going to be more stuff like this where market volatility, which is going to happen right now because so much money is just getting pumped in. Yeah. Uh, it's going to co- it's going to screw with a lot of these guys. And, uh, you know, it's going to cause a lot of margin calls. It's going to it's going to cause a lot of, uh, you know, like, like quick buying and quick sellings. So That's going to really fuck with the, with markets, mostly in the U.S. I don't know if Canada will get as much, but no, probably it'll be a big one.
0: Probably not. But I mean, it's they're essentially turning the stock market into like a crypto exchange. Like on a crypto exchange, like you get an 80 percent swing. You're like, yeah, whatever. It'll be back. Like You don't see those swings you don't see a 20 billion dollar sell-off in the stock exchange but you'll see that in well not 20 billion bucks but you'll see the equivalent uh sell-off of like a billion dollar sell-off in crypto markets and you'll you'll just fucking see that that everyone's just cool with it it just feels like your people are trying to turn indirectly yeah the stock market into those stupid crypto markets that don't make any sense that trade 24 hours a day yeah it's the one thing i find surprising
1: with a lot of these exchanges is that they're not grabbing more technology from from the 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 forex or sorry not the forex the um uh crypto uh exchanges because like their their trading platforms are incredible like the amount of data that they're able to crank out in real time yep like you know they they can give you up to like like so so typically with level one data you get to see like the Uh, The ask and the bid. So really typical. Everybody gives you that. But then with level two, uh, you can see all the different houses or all the different trading houses and brokerages and how much what type of orders they have, how big they are. So you get a little bit more depth into what the what people are trying to do. And then there's even like a third level on top of that where you can see more uh like institutional movement you can see types of orders so there's all kinds of of data but uh, typically on the exchanges like it's really hard to get that they charge a shit ton of money for it Mm -hmm. but on the crypto exchanges it's like here you go it's all for free take it and do whatever you want with it so it's all super transparent the settling is super transparent. It's like it seems like there'd be a lot of perks, but I guess like if you're like a hedge fund guy or something, you're probably super anti against that because then you know a retail guy has the same benefits that or the same advantages that you would have.
0: Yeah, and that's not what you want. Like that's why you are in the position that you are because you know things that other people don't know, and you're gonna keep that a freaking secret as they kept this some derivative that they didn't have to explain how they bought more than 5% of a company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
2: all a secret till some There's... goof on Reddit fucking knows, bud. then you're in trouble. Oh my
1: God. Exactly. Away you go. Hey, so I was reading about that dude, uh, who who's, uh, started off the whole GameStop thing. Like, uh, what's it like crazy or crazy kitty or shit. What was his name? Uh uh, no, uh well his reddit boom, name whatever. was his reddit name was a deep fucking value so he um he <laughs> barely made like 10 million bucks off of the uh, the whole gamestop thing because he he was like touting like pushing that stock for months and months has like all of his youtube channel shit and he was going on and on about it so he made some decent money
0: on it so it's you know good for him yeah he did it he did it i wonder if he's still holding the line with everyone else like is it wasn't um, that their big uh thing i only know it from the memes or never like hold the line hold the line don't sell to anybody
1: <laughs> drive that price I, I would imagine he sold i bet he sold the bulk of it. i'm sure he still has some yeah uh, they I, pulled his license though he had a uh so it was funny during his um he did a um what was it uh
0: yeah. uh an uh, uh, ama or something yeah
1: no, it was with the Congress. Like he had oh. to do, do like testify or whatever. And so he did like a virtual one. So yeah, he, he was on video and all that. And he was just talking about how he's like, oh, I'm not like a professional investor and you know, all this and that. And I'm just a retail guy, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, it, t- it came out later that he's got like all this like series like series sevens and nine like like all of his <laughs> securities licenses basically. And he's a um, he's got a CFA. He's a CFA charter holder too. So this guy oh, is my God, not okay. a uh, an amateur at all. Yeah.
0: What <laughs> fucking bullshit.
1: What a guy! No, it's too funny. Yeah, oh. but uh, what can you do, right? I uh, hope he, hope he gets the, because they're probably gonna try and use him as an example, right? Especially the Democrats, because they're all like they're, you know, bought and paid for by hedge funds, so they're probably uh, gonna try and crucify this dude. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, he gets to keep some of that money.
0: Yeah, ho- oh, hopefully he does. But I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get to keep that much of it. Uh, you can't. I don't know if you want to play along you got to get along or something like that isn't that the same and what he was doing was not (laughs) not playing along (laughs) exactly right go along get along man. yeah
1: no here we go maybe this is what they're talking about equity swaps and um uh, cfds a contract for difference yeah i imagine that's what they were doing here this is uh this is like advanced shit like i have no idea like i'm familiar with contract for difference but like i couldn't explain to you how it works but uh, it's uh, it's so much weird shit like this. This is like so reminiscent to two thousand nine though, where it's like you have all these advanced derivative tools that nobody understand. Like very few people really understand how they work, uh, and they're using it for leverage, you know, to, to ramp up their leverage and to buy all this shit. Like I don't know, this this could be a problem coming up. It's I wonder how how prevalent this is. I assume
0: very, but <laughs> I would assume very too. But if you, well, we're gonna find out in the next twenty four months, aren't we?
1: The only other thing that i think that's uh you know pretty uh prevalent is um quality piles merch on the old website
0: here oh yes it is it's looking pretty good it, it's springtime now here so it's spring yeah we changed yeah. everything around here we got uh you gotta
1: get your uh oh where's the wife beater here yeah we got we got a couple of these on on order for the dawn and he, he ordered the women's one. Yeah. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs>
2: A little extra tit room in those ones for sure, boys.
0: <laughs> oh, he needs them. <laughs> He'll be rocking that at the beach, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh,
2: Fuck. Yeah, well, we got. Uh, so the toques up there. I guess we got to switch it over to the sweet. I think we got some sweet hats there in the bottom left there. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah we got the uh, the old red uh, white. Uh, on I think red, I know somebody yeah, who could rock positive. a hat like
2: that pretty pretty good.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm in the market for a new hat too, and it's got to be uh, the text can
0: only be red and white. So this is uh, this this might fit the bill here liking the look of it. Well, uh, thanks again, everyone, for joining us this week. Uh, join us again next week at the Quality Piles podcast. You want to support us, give us a like uh, over on uh, our Instagram or Facebook. Give us a subscribe. And, uh, yeah, you know, check us out. Check us out at QualityPiles.com. Maybe uh, pick up one of these sweet-looking hats keep the sun out of you guys, you know, in springtime. <laughs> uh, on that note, everyone, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you again soon. We <laughs>